five, four, three, two, one. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of America.com. My name is Rich Doc Hayden, and I am with... And we have a fantastic episode for you guys today. We wanted to compare the 60s with what was going on today. So we figured, who better to talk about the 60s with than two people who lived through them, our moms. So we have my mom, Diane Hayden, on the line. We have my mom, Neela Harper. All right. Hey, guys, thank you so much for coming on. We really, really, really appreciate it. So... Let me ask, Mom, to start off, to kind of break the ice, where are you from, where do you live now, and what's a fun fact about you? Well, I was born in upstate New York, Amsterdam, New York, Milltown. I currently live in Middleton, Wisconsin. In between there, I did live in Georgia for a while and loved it. And the fun thing came up with was Another very famous person born in Amsterdam, New York, was Kirk Douglas. Very cool. Very cool. And what part of Georgia did you live when you were here? Woodstock. Woodstock. Up in Cherokee County. I knew it was Woodstock, Very cool. And Mrs. Harper, I go back to you. Where are you from? Where do you live now? And what's a fun fact about you? Okay. I was born in Aiken, South Carolina, and... I've been in LaGrange since 1975, mm-hmm. and I've been living here ever since, and I'm still working, mm-hmm. and I, I traveled a lot. I got to live in Hawaii for three years. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm military, back in the 60s, by the way. Okay. I, some stories because when I moved there in 61 you see it became a state in 59 mm-hmm. and I lived away from 61 through 63 okay and and I lived in Waipahu before okay. we got live on the base of Honol- uh, uh, Ecom Air Force Base in Honolulu mm-hmm. but uh, it, it was real it was it was something because they are you know me being a Redhead, freckle face, American girl, and I went to school with Japanese, Filipinos, and Hawaiians back then. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And right. that was something. My third grade teacher was Miss Okuma. Okay, cool. And I had to learn to eat their food, or else mom, I had to make it <laughs> at school. So I, it was really neat living there in Hawaii.
That's cool. See, Very now that's fun. if you ever meet Sigourney Weaver, you got a good story right there. So there you go. Oh, that's yeah. funny. <laughs> I used to say that about Leonard Nimoy. Oh yeah. <laughs> With the ears, Star Trek. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah, I used to think I'm glad my ears are not growing pointed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's go ahead and jump into it. So one of the reasons Harpo and I wanted to do this episode is because the last year, as everybody knows, has been a very challenging one and a very difficult one for America. And one of the things that I've heard repeatedly from people is like, oh, it's not like the 60s. So I said, you know, let's get some people on who really knew about it. So for people born after 1970, the 60s are depicted as this time when all sorts of dramatic changes and events were happening across the country. You know, you had the assassinations of uh, President Kennedy, his brother Robert Kennedy, Martin Luther King Jr. You had civil rights, you know, anti-Vietnam War protests going on. So I was kind of wondering, how does that compare with the events of the past year? And mom, let's go ahead and start with you and get your idea on this. Okay, well... If you can suspend COVID as part of the discussion, right? Because obviously there was nothing comparable in the 60s. My sense is that, because I was much younger then and the world looked a lot different to me, but the 60s, I thought because of the war and the draft, were very much different for, I'll say, poor to middle-class people, because obviously today there is no draft, so you can't even compare. But I think things were much more divided amongst generations then. I knew a lot of sons who did not want to go to war, and many of our fathers had fought in World War II. Mm -hmm. And that created a pretty big schism with a lot of people I knew very well. Frankly, other than one fellow who came back to college when I was in Syracuse and a few people from my hometown, at that time, I did not know one person who had served in Vietnam. Mm. Um, Interesting. But I have to say, you know, it, it was just one thing after another. The, the assassinations, the riots, um, Kent State, which I remember very, very clearly. Vietnam, obviously. I mean, burning a flag was a very radical thing back then. So I have to say, now that I'm older and wiser, that probably left a much bigger impression on me than things do now. Because now I'm a little bit of the perspective of, it's just the latest flavor of vanilla, what everybody, you know, again, COVID aside, but all the strife and everything now, it's just people trying to stir the pot. Question. The... Yep. You say the back in the sixties, you know, back then you know, the news couldn't couldn't blast them on every news channel. Would were the riots as, as intense as what we see on TV nowadays? For sure. Have you ever seen any of the footage of Detroit burning, Chicago? It's um, bad looting and vandalizing everything. So, absolutely, absolutely, and. You're very right to point out, though, Harpo, because of the lack of social media, thank God, back then, what you saw was probably accurate. You know, what you did see was probably accurate, what actually happened. Right. Yeah, there's so much stage stuff now, you don't know what to believe. Yeah. 
so, and there had never been riots of that magnitude in this country before. You know, when you're, when you're experiencing something, you can only compare it to the past, you can't compare it to the future. The future hasn't happened yet, right? Mm-hmm. So at that point in time, those, I believe, you know, to have been the most serious civil unrest that this country had experienced. Mm-hmm. All right. Mrs. Harper, I'd like to go ahead and get your opinion on it. So, you know, the question is, how does the events of the past year compare with what was happening in the 60s? Well, in the 60s now, I was in an elementary. Mm-hmm. I remember JFK died November of 63. And I was in fourth grade, and that hurt me so bad because he was our youngest president I think we've ever had. And then Bobby Kennedy getting killed in 68, I think. And uh, it just, it was a shocking with the Kennedys. Because let me tell you, mm-hmm. when I was young, and I got an older brother too that at a gas station in Montgomery, Alabama, folks said that we looked like the Kennedys. Okay. They even asked if we were kin to them. Okay, interesting. That's and cool. I, said, I said, no, of course, but I wish, but we weren't. But <laughs> I, 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 I really, did like the Kennedys, but I've heard good and bad about them and about their daddy, way he did things back then. John Kennedy's dad. And then Martin Luther King, when he got killed in 68, April the 4th, in Memphis, Tennessee, that, it was just shocking. I mean, I was a kid when all that happened, and it, it was just blowing my mind that all this was going on, because let me tell you, today... You don't see the assassinations mm. like we did in the 60s. There's three of them right there. I don't think there's been no more since Martin Luther King. Mm-hmm. That- and it's just, it was just unreal. And uh, I did have some friends that went to Vietnam in 68. I was living in Montgomery. I was 15 then living with my brother who was 18, okay? And we had friends that lived around us that went and fought. Well, they didn't come back. Mm-hmm. We heard all kinds of stories what happened to them when they were young, 18, 21 years old. So uh, it, Vietnam was an ugly war. It was. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was the 60s. That leads into a good question. And you, you touched on this a little bit, uh, Mrs. Harper, but when you look at every kind of all the craziness that has gone on in the last year what are some of the things that they share with the 60s and what are some of the things that are different oh man you know back in the 60s when vietnam war was going there was a lot of the hippies and all that didn't like war and wanted peace and then this year you know this when trump was president and then he lost they couldn't believe he lost and they still don't believe that he lost. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just, mm, it, you know, I don't know. It's just, gosh. <laughs> well, I still think it has a lot to do with what you see on TV. Like you couldn't see a lot of stuff on the in the sixties like you can nowadays. Mm-hmm. It's not broadcasted like it's, it's right here at the palm of our hands now. In the sixties, you had to wait on a newspaper, or sit on the radio. Or, 
television if you had one. Yeah, Walter Conkright back in the 60s. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You get the information a lot faster nowadays. Oh, yeah, everything's different today. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, yeah, it's a lot of... Like, I, I wonder... You know, back in the 60s, we had a lot of drugs going around, too. Like, you remember, you've seen Forrest Gump. Uh-huh. <laughs> A lot of that went on, you know. They were burning flags back in the 60s. They're burning flags right now. A lot of pot smoking still going on today like it did the 60s. Yeah. I won't tell you. Now it's legal everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And you believe this in Washington, D.C., too. Yeah. You can... Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, can you imagine if they had iPhones in the 60s? Oh, yeah. It would have been... Oh. It would have been crazy. It would have hit. So you know, let me, mom, let me go ahead and direct that question to you. So, what are some of the similarities between now and the '60s, and what are some of the differences? Well, it's kind of easier to talk about the differences, maybe. But a couple things that I was thinking about, and it kind of goes back to the fact that there was no social media. But see, starting back with um, FDR, Eisenhower. JFK, who again, just just a small aside, the day that Kennedy was assassinated, I was on a sixth grade trip at the UN in Manhattan. Wow. And here are this bunch of kids who suddenly got locked down, you know, a bunch of hicks from upstate New York, suddenly got locked down in the UN with all these security people running around, using their walkie-talkies, I do remember that. And uh, we didn't know why. So finally we were told, and we were escorted out, we had taken the bus ride from where I lived into Manhattan, like three and a half, well, by bus probably more like four hours. And it was terribly disappointing, and it was an awful thing. But that night, the next night actually was Thanksgiving weekend, and the Thanksgiving dance got canceled. (laughs) And for a lot of us kids, that was a pretty serious thing too. Um, but I do remember then the whole weekend devoted to watching Walter Cronkite, as you say, and I remember distinctly when uh, Jack Ruby shot Oswald and it was on TV. Mm. And that was an incredible thing to see. No, you know, it was like, and there was no instant replay or, you know, and it, I remember sitting there with my, with my dad and saying, did that just happen, you know? But anyhow, back to the presidents. One of the things was all those guys had affairs. It's pretty well documented now. Even Dwight David Eisenhower. And whether it was gentlemen's agreement or what, those things, you know, just weren't discussed. There was no scandals involved. And the other thing is, and I haven't read too much about it, a little bit, but apparently a lot of people believe that JFK's father, Joseph Kennedy, basically bought the election for him. Um, And I don't know what the truth is totally behind that. But all I'm saying is these things happen, and you didn't know about it. Mm. You know, you read about it in a history book or perhaps in a class at school, but Mm -hmm. you didn't know about these things. Now, what is it that everybody doesn't know, you know? Um, that every, it's at the palm of everybody's hands now. You can get news in 20 seconds. Yeah. So, but I, but I have to say, I think the, um, 
the fact of the Vietnam War probably drove just about everything else that happened in the 60s and into the 70s because it, it touched on racism, it touched on poverty, and I, I don't know if you can make, you know, maybe you guys, your age now that you've lived and you've obviously both served, can come up with more similarities between now and then, but I kind of struggle with that a little mm. bit, finding the similarities. Got it. All right. Yeah, I mean, I, just the four years I served, I, I don't, I don't recall ever experiencing any kind of racism in the military or nothing like that. I mean, did you, Doc? I mean, I thought we were all pretty tight. You know, there was, there were, there were a, there were a handful of incidents uh, that I witnessed, but I can, I can definitely say that from what I've read about what it was like during Vietnam. And they opened they opened the military up and desegregated the military not long after the end of World War II. So sort of that period right after World War II, right after desegregation through Vietnam, from what I understand, was much, much worse than uh, what we experienced. Even if there's still a little bit of lingering racism left, it's yeah, not nearly as bad as what it was. Yeah. You know? So. Yeah, I mean, I get both fish, you know, the whole civil rights movement going on at the same time too so. mm-hmm. yeah definitely definitely so so let's talk a little bit about politics at the time so you know at the moment it's very well known that there's a huge gulf between republicans and democrats in washington um is this period unique or has it always been like this and uh mrs harper let's let's start with your opinion on it well, I think now it's gotten worse than it did back then. I do. Mm-hmm. Being a, you know, like I said in the 60s, I was young. I didn't, I wasn't even old enough to vote yet. I'm trying to, it was in the early 70s. Yeah. It had to be like 72 or 73. You know, it's just today's time is worse. Mm-hmm. You know, especially with Trump, way it was this last four years, it really was to me. I think the worst I've ever seen it mm-hmm. with a president mm-hmm. coming out and maybe coming back. <laughs> back in the sixties, mm-hmm. let's see. Um, it was Nixon and. I think who all ran back then. Well, it was, it was LBJ in sixty four. That's right. He, LBJ, yeah, he served two terms in Nixon. Yeah, back in seventy three. Mm-hmm. Back then, yeah. All right. Yeah. And the Nixon. Yeah, it was Watergate. That was a big scandal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mom, let me throw that division among political parties or was it like that back then too? Well, no, I think back then there were many, many more people in the center and probably there was more agreement, uh, well, again, aside from the war, but, you know, across the aisle on various things. You know, back now to Watergate, which was such a huge scandal at the time. And what was it, you know, um, compared to what's going on now? I, I think the biggest thing is again. Well, I think I think President 
Trump did a lot of damage in sense of taking away any sense of decorum of the executive office, and a lot of people lashed out. I also think social media, again, we go back to our favorite thing, but anybody that wants to voice an opinion, there was probably a time when first-term elected people, say, for example, the House of Representatives, like AOC, nobody would have heard what they had to say. Kind of had to earn it back then, and the squad, and people like that. So it just seems now that anybody who's got a point of view can get it across on social media. And to me, it has just become a popularity contest, not in the sense of voting, but just, you know, getting likes and getting getting people to listen to you. I really, I'm really not... I mean, I can tell you the basic difference between Democrats and Republicans, but I can't give you any kind of in-depth thing. Mm. Um, I do know. I did actually just think of one kind of funny little thing. So anyhow, my, my family, for the most part, were Democrats, immigrants that come across on the boat from the other side. And my grandfather, who worked in the carpet mills all his life, was a very, very hardworking man. And once the carpet mills moved south, he was a little older, but he wasn't old enough to retire. So he got a job working on the Erie Canal. I don't know if you guys down south ever heard of it, but the Erie Canal for a period of time kind of linked New York State to the rivers in the west. So it was a pretty important waterway thoroughfare. And that was the year that Rockefeller was gonna run for president, wanted to run for president. And my grandfather had to go change his political affiliation from Democrat to Republican to keep his job. Oh, wow. <laughs> Interesting. Just my opinion. I mean, but I think money has a lot to do with a lot of elections back then and now. I still think our, our government is money hungry. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And it, it just like, like you said, you know, JFK, everybody says JFK did he bought that election for his son. I, I still think to this day, if you got enough money, you can buy an election on anything, mm-hmm. even the highest office. You've got local offices here, county commissioners, city councils, you know, little things like that. You, you can buy your way into those. I think it's uh-huh. the same man as it was back in the 60s. It'll always be there as long as there's money. Harp, I think, I think you have a, a good point, but. Um, one of the things, too, Mama, what you were saying about your, you know, grandfather having to change political affiliation, I think maybe one of the things that is positive about social media, if, like that couldn't happen today because if somebody from a, you know, government organization tried to lean on somebody to do something like that, all they got to do is go on social media and blow it up and then it kind of catches fire and stuff like that kind of gets rooted out. And then Harpo, too, with the money. Um, I think I think you're right that yeah you know people do have a a lot of money they can um, buy elections but one of the things about social media too is it's, it becomes a little bit easier to expose stuff like that I still I have I have major major qualms with social media but there are one or two things that I think you know having that power to do is good so cool cool see it on social media if it's true or not I mean they blast all kinds of false stuff on social media. Oh, they do. They do. They definitely do. But every once in a while, the truth does come through. Do you know what I mean? And if that's, if some, like, for example, with um, mom, with your grandfather, if that's the kind of thing that if 
today were to happen, like somebody in the government, I work for the government. And if they were to say, um, when I was, you know, starting my process, like, all right, you have to change your party affiliation um, if you want to get this job. Like, that's the kind of thing that people can take to social media. And sometimes if you're lucky, it goes viral and, and gets um, uh, gets a bunch of hits. So, so yes, I don't, so some, so one of the things, I, I, yeah, I wasn't alive during the 60s, but one of the things I've seen is that maybe some of the stuff that people were able to get away with back then, you can't quite get away with anymore, even if it's changed a little bit. You know what I mean? So, oh, yeah. but interesting, interesting. I don't like party affiliation anyway. Mm-hmm. That's just put people out there you're going to vote for or vote for them. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. Well, I'm, I'm not saying who we had to vote for, and, and obviously you guys, well, Richard, Richard knew my grandfather, Rocky. He had hands like catcher's mitts, you know? And he, and he didn't have Rocky. But he was a pragmatic guy. And if he wanted the word Republican after my name on a piece of paper, not that he voted that way, but to be registered. Keep his job. This is, you know, this is a guy who got his family through the depression. He wouldn't have yeah. linked, you know. Yeah. I think they just needed the numbers on the on the on the registration rolls, you know. Mhm. Mhm. All right. So, so now that we're, gosh, sixty years out from sixties, what are some of the positive things that resulted from the changes of that era? And what are some of the negative things? And Mrs. Harper, we'll start with you. And you know what? We can broaden that out, not just the 60s, but we can broaden that into the 70s as well. Today, what's better now is having the computers Mm -hmm. compared to the 60s. All the technology we got today. Do you mean that just because things move a little faster or they're a little more organized? Yeah, they move a lot faster. Yeah, and yeah, I, mm-hmm. I believe so. All right. We're organized today. And what are some of the negative things that you've seen? It's like, what are some of the things when you were growing up, maybe that were lost, that you know the next generation or even my generation don't really understand? Walking the school. Oh yeah, walking in the snow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wasn't that great? Um, you know, we went back and get to school, and today kids, you know, drive their own car, get to ride a heated bus, but um, things that are better today than they were back then, it's better. As, as, as the years go by, things get better, you know, uh, easier. You know, you got these vacuums now that go around and vacuum your house for you. I mean, <laughs> everything's getting so much easier for people. Oh, that's cool. Or <laughs> yeah, everything's getting here. You know, I'm always said that one day we're gonna live like the Jetsons. <laughs> right on. It's getting that. <laughs> Mom, let me ask you. So. What are some of the positive things that resulted from the changes in the 60s, and what are some of the negative things? Well, I wrote, I wrote a few things down. Well, I think the women's movement got a big boost in the 60s, and obviously access to contraception was a big part of that. And, I mean, you know me, Rich, I'm not, I'm not a big women's livers, liver, but I did actually, not in, a, not in an obvious activity way, anyhow, but certainly I benefited, I guess, from 
sort of that loosening up of things and, you know, ended up with your dad able to provide you guys, you your brother and your sister with a pretty good life. And I do appreciate the point about not being able to walk to school because we got kicked out the back door in the summertime to play and we didn't go home till nighttime, you know, till dinner time. And your father and I worked pretty hard to kind of try and replicate that in the neighborhood that you guys grew up in. But I do think, well, especially now, I mean, it's like, even for you now, it's 30 years down the line, right? 40 years down the line. For some folks, the thought of letting their kids play outside is just impossible, you know, can't, can't be done. Mm-hmm. I, I think probably, well, maybe the 60s is a little too early, but you know, some of the technology changes that started to come along, I think probably culturally, the 60s probably really pushed things, you know, really far ahead, music and movies and art, which is not to say it wouldn't have happened anyhow, but if you look at movies from the 40s versus movies from the 60s and 70s, a huge, a huge difference. So I guess change is going to come and it has to come. And I don't, it's just so hard to say, you know, I was born in 50, so in the 60s, from 60 to 70, I went from 10 to to 20 years old, and looking back at that time now, I'd like to think I remember things accurately. I can't say I always do, but health care is obviously better now. People live longer, maybe, well, not through the pandemic for sure, but maybe people eat a little better now. Yeah, it's, to me, it's just, I've, it's like I've lived in two entirely different times, mm. and it's hard to say you know, do a point-by-point comparison because it's just two entirely different times. Got it. Do you think do you think our society now is weaker than it was back in the 60s? Well, I, I guess so, Marco, in the sense that we were talking about this yesterday a little bit. Richard, Richard's sister and her husband and the little baby were over for Easter and how I've, ne- I've never been a particular particularly religious person myself, but I was certainly raised in a fairly religious family, Catholic family. And Easter, you know, these holidays have lost all, well, at least around here, I can't say it. It seems to me when I was in the South, maybe things were a little different, still a little more traditional, but they've lost any reason for why they exist. You know, it's just a holiday now, a day off, you know? And I was trying to remember, I can remember being a little kid sitting on a curb on Good Friday, and we all were kind of terrified sitting there because the old aunties used to tell the stories, you know? And how on Saturday, you know, at noon, on Holy Saturday, you could eat meat again. And I couldn't remember why. And then I remember yesterday, I said, because that was the official end of Lent. Yep. Who remembers that part? You know, and let's not even go to Christmas that you can't even pronounce the word anymore. So, yeah, well, and I, I don't want to get started, but I guess, Rich, one of the things that I think is horrible about this era, as opposed to any other, is political correctness. Hmm. I just like that whole cancel either. I mean, I don't think we should cancel all of history, because, I mean, we've got to learn from it. Hmm. Canceling it ain't going to, you know, 100 years from now, you cancel it now, 100 years from now, it may repeat itself. Well, no, Harper, there was a thing recently that was 
many of the very elite private schools in New York City are going through this whole enlightenment. And one of them in particular came out with uh, a list of things that the kids couldn't say anymore. And one of them, it's kind of like the Nancy Pelosi thing. They could not refer to their mom and their dad anymore. They were their caregivers. Yeah, and, yeah, I and, that. and I was like, I'm glad I do not have any children in school right now. Uh, anyone who denies that I'm my child's mother is going to have a, a big argument with me. I mean, I, I just don't understand a society who thinks a plastic potato head is offensive. <laughs> I know, my God, I'm helping. You guys all had Mr. Potato when you were little. <laughs> all right. Yeah. We used, used to rob ears from Mr. Potato Head to put on Mr. Potato Head. <laughs> so, all right. All right, cool, cool. So, before I get to my last couple of questions, what would be your happiest memory of the 60s? And I'm going to leave that open to a very broad question and you can answer it any way you want but mrs harper when you think back on that time and again i'll i'll include the early 70s here as well you know what are some of the the the, the happiest memories and some of the things that really stick out to you it had to be when i lived in hawaii to start off 61 to 63 and then my mother passed when i was 10 Ooh. and 63 and after that, I got moved around. I don't want to go into my whole life story, but I, I had to live with aunts and uncles. And then, like I said, in 68, I went to live with two 18-year-olds. Mm -hmm. And we had love beef hanging down from the stairway. And marijuana was all over me. Mm -hmm. The Beatles, the Stones, you name it. That's what I, and we even had an old Impala car, and it was a flower power car we drove around in. It had flowers on it, navy blue Impala. Mm -hmm. I was a kid, but I thought I was cool riding around in that car. <laughs> but I didn't smoke. My brother wouldn't let me smoke. Mm -hmm. So that, that, and that was the 60s, and... That was what I can remember up to 68, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, did, did, uh, did, you, did, you ever go uh -huh. did you ever go and see the Stones in concert? No, I never got to. I did see a bunch, but I didn't get to see the Stones. Ah. I never got to see the Stones or the Beatles. I didn't even get to see the Beatles. Mm. Or, no, no, I didn't. What was your favorite concert you Oh, when I was in Montgomery and the Garrett Coliseum, we used to see, oh, I saw the Dave Clark Fives. Now, see, you won't remember them. They were from London. They were from London. You know, London had a lot of good bands mm -hmm. back mm -hmm. in the 60s. England. And uh, Herman Hermits. Okay. I'm a microwave for them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Dave Clark Fives. And, uh, of course, I saw Roy Orbison singing Pretty Woman oh. several times. Very cool. Yes. Very cool. And uh, oh, I know it. And uh, and Paul Revere and the Raiders. Here we go. Okay. You know, that was like yeah, that was the late sixties. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and then when I got in the seventies, 
I lived with a family, and I had to like country music, and then I saw a lot of famous country music music, uh, music stars in, in Macon, Georgia. All right. And I, yeah, you name it, Loretta Lynn, Conway Twitty, many more. There's a bunch I saw, the Carpenters. Carpenters. And, you know, going to that was cool back then. It really was. Nice. Did you see Johnny Cash? No, I didn't ah. see Johnny Cash. Nope. Mm -hmm. He didn't. He didn't. If he came to Macon, I would have seen him. Mm. But okay. uh, I stopped on Merle Haggard. Okay. <laughs> I got to see on Merle in a black leather. I was five feet away from him. Nice. Macon's a big music town. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, a lot of country stars come from that area. You know, Jason Aldean is from Macon. Mm-hmm. Do you know country music? Not too much. You know what? My wife loves country music, and she's from uh, Southeast LA. I don't know how that happened, but she she loves uh, Luke Bryant. Um, yeah. Who's the other? Sense. Keith. Oh, she took me to see um, Keith Urban once. We went and saw him oh, together. Yeah. So. Okay. I saw him. Who else? Oh, you know what? I can say this though. I have been to the Grand Old Opry. All right. Yep. Okay. I, we did that a couple years ago in Nashville. We went to Nashville for a couple of days, and I made sure to go. And we went to the Ryman Auditorium, and we went and we saw it. So I can see, say I've seen that. Mm -hmm. Okay. The Almond Brothers, they were from Macon. Yeah, the Almond Brothers were from Macon. Yeah. Oh. Wet Willie, Michael Tucker, they were real famous back in the yeah. 70s. Mm -hmm. You know? Rock and roll. You know, I actually saw the Almond Brothers. They used to play... At this theater called the Beacon Theater in New York, they used to every year they would come in and for like two or three weeks they just play every night and they did it every year for gosh I don't know twenty or thirty years and they you know they finally stopped a, a, a few years before Greg died but I got to go down and see them once too so I saw the Almond Brothers. Okay, all the before Greg died. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know his brother uh, Dwayne he died in seventy two. Uh huh. So you yep. didn't ever see. Never see him. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. But, That's why they have that album, you know, Eat a Peach. You uh -huh. heard that album, Eat a Peach? Yep. Uh huh. Because that's what, that's what killed uh, Dwayne Allman was a peach truck. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I didn't. I didn't. That's what hit him. Oh, man. I didn't know that. I, that little factoid I didn't know. So, all right. And then died his best friend, Barry Oakley, who was a guitar in the band. He killed himself because Dwayne died. They were Ooh. real close friends. Ooh. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. All uh. that happened back then. Uh. Yep. All right. But yeah, yeah, see I lived in Macon from seventy uh from sixty nine to seventy four. Mm -hmm. And we used to you know, see country and rock and roll and that you know, they they used to do all all kind all kind of concerts and stuff. In fact, my grandmother is buried where the Almond Brothers are buried. Oh, in Macon. interesting. Same cemetery. Oh. Same cemetery. All right. Yeah. Oh, that's Rosie. Yeah. That's and that's a cool yep. fact. That's a great family factoid. Mm -hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So. Are, mm -hmm. like the Almond Brothers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. Well, hey, I saw Joe Cocker in Columbus, Georgia. We can't carry a tune in a bucket, Doc. And Joe Cocker, he can sing. Yeah, he was nuts. 
So who? I well, mom. Let me ask you the same question. So, what about that period do you remember most fondly? Well, I have to say, um, so in '68, I left Amsterdam to go to college, and that was a good thing. But while I was in school, um, and as you know, Rich, because most of these people have deeply touched your lives, I was fortunate enough to make a number of very, very good friends. Mm -hmm. Some of some, some of whom I still my closest friends, some of whom we've lost. So I think, you know, up, in, up until that point, that whole experience of going away to school and meeting new people, I was a pretty naive kid from upstate New York who was introduced to a lot of new things. And at Syracuse, I saw some incredible music too. What did you see? Um, no, just, just some... Um, and, this, and this was uh, for a lot of them before they really took off. So it was like in sort of very informal venues like coffee, coffee houses, or we used to call it, well, the, the student union then. James Taylor, Carly Simon, uh -huh. Crosby Nash and Young. Ooh. And then uh, the Supremes was a big one to go see at the, uh, the, um, oh, the big venue in Syracuse was the uh, county. No, that was like it was like a county center, a big you know sports and everything took place there. Okay. Um, I have some the Stones. Mm -hmm. um, little later on, uh, one of my memorable concerts was Sinatra. Um, Bette Midler, when she used to do her comedy, mm -hmm. um, it was incredible to to go to a Bette Midler concert. And you know, on, on so many, who remembers them all now? But I have to say, that's four years, but. Again, what happened, you know, your grandfather died, uh, then your dad and I got married, uh -huh. which actually has a Vietnam angle too, but we don't need to go into that one here. Mm -hmm. And, you know, then moving moving down to White Plains, New York, which was 20 miles outside of the big city. So your dad and I were able to take a Back then, on weekends, you could get a weekend package at one of the great many of the great New York City hotels, uh -huh. like the Plaza and the Pierre and the Waldorf, for, for a steal, you know? Uh -huh. And we used to do that, then we go into the city, and then, and then we try to go to what we thought were really cool restaurants, and we saw a lot of Broadway shows, um, hair, I could go on and on. So that whole period of time was a real, a real shift, you know, in my lifestyle. All right. Very cool, very cool. All right, so the last question I have is when you look back on all the changes since the 60s up until now, and you know, you, you both have lived your pretty full lives. You've got a number of, you've had a number of kids, grandkids. So mom, let me ask you this. What would you say to the next generation that will have to go through some of the challenges that you and your generation went through? Well, I guess if I've learned anything, um, I've learned that, you know, follow the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. You know, respect yourself. Don't, don't go along with the crowd. <laughs> this one will never happen, but I would say to them, smash your cell phone. <laughs> um, by then they'll probably be implanted 
in their hands or something. Yeah, it's kind of hard. The, the world the world has changed so much, you know, in the last 60 years. How much more can it change? But we know that it will, right? So it's so it's so hard to imagine. You know, if a 9-11 was, was to happen 30 years from now, maybe by then people would just be taking things like that in stride. And, you know, I, I know you've recounted the story on the podcast, but how much that changed your life in terms of your future decisions after that. Yeah, I, as, as simple as it sounds, because I think it takes into account kind of religion, philosophy, and, and everything else is just follow the golden rule. All right. All right. Good to go. Mrs. Harper, you got anything? Well, she's right about the golden rule. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You just, you know, do right and just live to be happy. Live and do good in life. All yeah. Right. I second that. Yeah, just, yeah. You know. All right. Well, well I know, the, the one thing that Mrs. Harper and I can tell them is never overestimate or never underestimate how short life is. Mm. Right. Never pass up an opportunity to do something, and you can fill in the blanks, something good, something for someone else, something that you really want to do, something to honor someone else. But... I, I can't believe I'm 70 years old. You know, where did it go? Mm. I know. The older we get, the faster the time goes. It really does. I've yeah. realized that since I hit 30. I remember when I hit my 30th birthday. I thought, wow, I've been here 30 years. Well, now I could double that. And I think, well, where did it go? <laughs> where did the other 30 go to? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Your time flies. It really does. It goes so it goes by so fast. All right. Well, I think that is an excellent place to end it. Although I do have one more thing to say. And during our conversation, I was thinking about it, and it's the truth. Harbo, you do vaguely resemble JFK. I've been told that my whole life. Hey, can I tell you something? It's true. I wish I could show you, but I brought it over here. Randall made it in middle school, sixth or seventh grade, and it's a green pillow. On one side, it's got JFK. Oh. On the other side, it's got Biscuit. Those were my nicknames in middle school. They called him Biscuit on the football team. You <laughs> shaved the head. And that white face and bald head, it looked like a biscuit. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he made that pillow, and I still got it. <laughs> My hair grows just like JFK's did. I had the, it's curly, so I had the comb over it. I can't grow straight hair. So. You know what's so funny, though? Let me tell you, back in 68, Montgomery, Allen, my older brother, he's 71 today. I mean, that's how old he is. Well, he ran a gas station. It was called the Bay, B-A-Y, gas station, downtown Montgomery, Alabama. And people used to say he looked like JFK. Yep. He runs in the... Fa- <laughs> that's my brother. And they even said the same thing about me when I lived in Macon. 
I went to pick up some pictures I had taken, and those that man and woman stared at me so funny. They asked me if I was kin to the Kennedys, and I about fell out of that chair when I said that. <laughs> I admit that runs in the family. That we favor the Kennedys. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, mm-hmm. Mom, Mrs. Harper. Thank you both so very much for coming on and doing this. This was a lot of fun. I really, really enjoyed hearing your stories and hearing what you guys had to say. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, very welcome. Anytime. All right. You're welcome. Harp. Yeah, Mom, I want to tell you, she, she went to a Sheer concert. In 91. Let me tell you, I used to get on the radio station, and when they'd have prizes, and you better believe I'd try to win. <laughs> <laughs> I had to be the 17th caller. This was coming from Columbus, Georgia. <laughs> rock and roll station. And uh, you had to be the 17th caller to win an autographed motorcycle jacket signed by Cher. Uh-huh. Plus two tickets to see her in Atlanta at the Omni. This was in October, I mean, April of 91. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I, I won it. Nice. everybody else i hope you really enjoyed this i hope you enjoyed it as much as i did and we'll see you next week